about these women in these clubs or in, in jail, and it's pretty obvious to us that, you know, they need a filling of light in their lives. And we can look at other people's lives sometimes and think, wow, they really need. But sometimes it's hard to see the empty places in ourselves. We might feel empty, but we necessarily can't always identify why we do. But see, God is aware. And he is so faithful to pursue us and come after us because he wants to fill us with himself. Now, too often, though, ladies, and you know this, he's not what we reach for. And we spend all this effort trying to fill ourselves up with other things or other people or other words or all, all different manners of things in this world. But there comes a point, though, where we realize it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The boyfriend that we just thought we had to have or the husband or the children that are precious, but they're not enough to fill us up, right? I remember in my own life, you know, as I went through infertility, my, my cry was just, God, if you'll just give me a baby, you'll give me a baby. And he finally did. I'm miserable. And my baby was awesome and she was wonderful. But a year later, I realized I am still miserable because she was not enough to fill me up. And see, it might be the new car or the new clothes or the new house or, or the friends or the girls' night out or the vacation or the fit body. or Those things can be, many of them, great blessings, but they don't fill us. And they certainly don't fix the hole in our life. And you have probably, I remember as a little girl learning a song that illustrates that very well. And you have probably heard this silly song too. Uh, it starts off like this with this guy named Henry. And he's talking to this woman named Liza, and he says, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, a hole. So Liza looks back at Henry, and she says to him, well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, fix the hole. But he looks back at her, and he says, with what shall I fix the hole? And she says, well, Henry, fix it with straw. Fix it with straw, Henry. And then he says, but Liza, the straw's too long. What am I going to do? And he's, she says to him, well, Henry, you got to cut the straw. And so he starts thinking about that for a minute. And he says, well, with what do I cut straw, Liza? And she says to him, well, Henry, you cut the straw with the axe. So he must go and find the axe. And then he comes back to Liza again, bothering her. And he says to her, but Liza, the axe, does anybody know? It's too dull. It's too dull, too dull, Liza. And so she looks at him again, and she says, well, sharpen it, Henry. you got to sharpen the axe. And so then he looks at her again, and he says, with what do I sharpen the axe? And she says, with the stone, Henry, sharpen the axe with the stone. And then he says to her, but the stone's too dry, Liza. What am I going to do? What do you do to get it wet? And she said, well, we'll wet it. Wet the, wet the stone, Henry. Come on, Henry, get it. And he, he says, yeah, but where am I going to get the water? And she says, get the water with the bucket, Henry, a bucket. And then he says to her, but there's a hole in my bucket, right? Now, I was afraid I wouldn't get through all that. <laughs> but here's the thing. Aside from the fact that high-maintenance Henry needs to learn how to think for himself, can anybody say amen? Is that not all too true sometimes? I had a little bit of fun with that on purpose because that is true sometimes. But aside from that fact, isn't that the truth? Don't we go round and round in circles sometimes trying to fix the hole in our lives and we end up right at the same place because we can't fix the hole 
in our buckets. There is a better way. I want to go back to Genesis 3 tonight for just a moment before we're going to actually head over into Psalm 119 and John chapter 4. And I'm not going to go over the whole story of Eve's downfall again tonight. We looked at that last night. If you weren't with us, you can actually listen to that message if you'd like on our iTunes station um, or on SoundCloud. Just search out uh, Established Footsteps Ministry. I do believe that you have to have the podcast app to listen on iTunes. But in Genesis 3, after Eve allowed Satan to deceive her, There was this moment of conversation where God spoke to Adam and to Eve and to Satan. And he describes to each one of them the consequence of what's going to be their reality now that they made this choice of sin. How it's going to affect them. And Genesis 3.16 is the record of what God says to Eve in that conversation. Now there is a lot that can be discussed here from this little verse. But look with me specifically tonight at the second part. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now this can be really confusing because the context is that God is revealing to them something very negative the realities of their sinful choice, and it can confuse us, though, because we think of marriage as something that God created as good, and he did, but it makes it sound like he's talking about it as if it's bad. Last year, I was preparing to speak at a marriage conference with Marvin. We've started doing some of those um, in the last year. And the Holy Spirit took me to this verse, and he began to speak to me about it. It was not anything I had ever studied before. Actually, I had prepared something else for um, one of the messages at this conference, and I was in worship, and the Holy Spirit literally just downloaded this whole thing and changed, changed it all. I hadn't even thought about that verse in years, and so I know it was him, and it's just been something I've been meditating all year long. But see, what God said here to me speaks so much into the places of emptiness and longings that we have as women. See, when God created Adam and Eve, his spirit was fully alive in them. And each one of us, every one of us in this room, we all have a spirit. God designed us with this space inside of us that the Holy Spirit is supposed to fill up. He alone can do that. And in the early days in the Garden of Eden, God's spirit was fully alive in both Adam and Eve. Now, God also gave them to one another in marriage, and it was a very good thing. He gave them together for companionship and for reproducing and for bringing up that offspring together and for working together and bringing each of their God-designed strengths as male and female together to be one. He brought two whole, filled people together to relate to one another out of the fullness of love that they had been living in. But then we know their choice of sin just blew open a hole in their spirit. And that's what God is speaking to directly here in this second part of verse 16. He's saying, Eve, you now got this huge hole of sin in your life. I didn't design you that way, but that's the way it is now. So all the fullness of life that you've been experiencing from me, it's gone. What you used to find in me, you're now going to begin to desire from a man, from your husband. Only he's not going to be able to give you what you can only get from me. 
And when God said, he shall rule over you, he's telling Eve that Adam is now empty also. And his emptiness is going to cause him to pervert the way that I designed him to relate to you and love you. See, instead of loving you perfectly out of the fullness of love that I've been filling him up with, his emptiness is now going to cause him to hurt you at times. Ladies, I have seen this played out over and over and over again in women's lives and in my own life as well. And this truth can give us so much understanding if we will lean in and listen to the Lord uh, tonight. You know, David cries out for understanding so much in Psalm 119. The Word of God gives us understanding. See, think about what God said to Eve in this moment and how it relates to us even as women today. Little girls this big start talking about their boyfriends, don't they? Nobody teaches them to do that. It's this desire that's inside of us to be filled. There's a longing inside of us. The death of our spirit has left a gaping hole in our buckets. And we need to understand this too. The boys and the men in our lives, they've got holes in their buckets also. How many of us have struggled in this life because a boy or a man has ruled over us, not out of the fullness of the leadership that God designed him to, to, to lead us with, but out of the emptiness in his own life. Instead of loving us with the fullness that God's filling them up with, many times they hurt us. This might be our father. This might be our boyfriend. This might be an uncle, a boy down the street. It's not always sexual. Sometimes it is, but we see it probably part of your own story. It's probably part of the story of many people that you know. In our cherished ministry, we often pray for the men in the clubs as much as, if not more than, the women sometimes. There are nights in our meeting times where we are just so burdened for the men in those clubs because you know what? They have a hole in their buckets too. All the broken things that men do to women out of that emptiness. Things as vile as pimping and trafficking women and abusing them. But you know, men rule over women with harsh words, with neglect, with control. Men and women were designed to relate to God and live and move and have his being, have their being in the fullness that God's just filling us up with. God created marriage, but marriage was never designed to fill us. It was designed to be an expression of the overflow of God's fullness inside of us. But that gets emptied out if there's a hole in our bucket. But see, here's the beauty of the gospel. Liza can't fix the bucket. Henry can't fix the bucket. But Jesus can. And when Jesus fixes our buckets, our lives, that work inside of us can change everything. Our whole life including our relationships. And that is why it is so, so important that if we choose to join our lives together with a man, that we choose a man who understands what a gospel-centered marriage is all about. Because you want to be in relationship with a man who understands what it means to get his filling from Jesus so that he can be full and relate to you that way. You want to understand that for yourself so that you can be full and relate to him that way. And there's always this fullness flowing. 
Now, that's fairy tale. It's not always like that, okay? All right? I can tell you at my house, it's not always like that. But that's what a goal is. That's a gospel-centered marriage. Turn with me over to John chapter 4. And we're going to read about a woman who had a hole in her bucket. Starting in verse 5, it says, Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, he being Jesus, okay? Near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long, long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How could you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. If there was ever a woman who illustrates the fallout that we just read about in Genesis 3, this would be her. Jesus tells her, you've had five husbands, and the man you're shacking up with now is not even your husband. This woman at the well is obviously longing for something, and she hasn't found it yet. Now, I've heard this passage taught on a lot of times, and I have as well. I've heard people describe her situation and describe all those men as total jerks, and none of it's her fault. I've heard others talk about her and say that she was very promiscuous and all of that. We don't know the reality of what the situation was. I imagine it was probably some of both because we're all broken and we all have holes in our buckets. I don't know the real details of her story before she met Jesus, but I do know the details of mine. See, in some ways, looking at her story is like looking in a mirror for me, maybe for some of you too. Now, just so you're not confused, I've not been married five times, one time only, all right? And I never have had an affair on my husband by God's grace and because we have found the joy of knowing a gospel-centered marriage. But for as long as I can remember, there has been a longing in this heart to be filled. Just like this woman in John chapter 4. For me, the boyfriend string started really early, like 11, 12 years old. And let's just say it was not usually a very good scene. As a young girl... I was also abused by someone in our church that I trusted. 
And although he did not take things to the full extent for which I am very thankful, he did things to me that he never should have done. I was also in a relationship for a long time during my college years. And let's just say the emptiness in both of our lives brought about some really ungodly things. And while I have never had an affair on my husband, I can tell you I have had other types of affairs. See, God told Eve, your desire is going to be for your husband. And I believe in that moment, God was speaking a principle of emptiness and fullness that all gets messed up because of sin. See, for Eve, he was speaking into the reality of her moment. Right then at that time, all she had was Adam. She didn't have any other relationships other than her relationship to God. There were no friends. There was, you know, no kids yet, none of that. She didn't have any clothes. She didn't have shopping malls. She didn't have a house. She didn't have a phone or social media or hobbies or any of the things that we tend to turn to for filling our lives up. Now, I do believe what God spoke to her is a principle of, of us desiring a man that really just runs the, the gamut across um, the females, right? I mean, we see it for sure. But I think it's also a principle of emptiness that sin brings. See, in my life, I've gone round and round in circles, Looking to men to fill me, looking to food to fill me, looking to approval uh, of people to fill me, and many other things. But I always ended up at the same place. It would fill me for a little while, but then I would be empty again. And it's the circle that we all tend to make. And the reason I tell you that is because I know you have a longing to be filled too. And I know if you were up here, you could tell your story about how you've gone around in circles. Well, I wanted you to know, me too. And guess what? David too. And guess what? The woman at the well too. And guess what? The women at the strip clubs and the ones who are in jails. And guess what? Look at the woman sitting beside you. She might look perfect and all put together, but she's got a longing inside of her heart too. And she's probably gone around in circles. It doesn't matter who you are. We all need the work in our lives that only Jesus can do. He's the only one that can fill us. So how does he do that? How does he fix the hole in our lives? Well, we need to understand what the hole really is. The hole is the death of our spirit. That's what the hole is. We're literally born with our spirit dead in sin. It doesn't matter how hard you try to fix that. You can go round and round in circles trying to fix that, but your efforts will always land you back in the same place because sin requires a perfect sacrifice, and none of us can give that. But Jesus can. He put himself into our world. He became like us, and he never sinned. So he took on the death that we should have had to die. He died for us. And so when we look at him and we say, yes, Jesus, you are the only one who can fix me, he does that. And his spirit literally comes to life in our spirit and he seals that hole up never to be busted open again. Praise God for the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And then from that moment... Jesus desires that we would continually 
open up our lives to his spirit, speaking forth truth in all of our empty places that we might be filled. Think about this. Think about back in the very beginning. The Bible begins by telling us that the earth was empty and void. And it says that the spirit was hovering over the surface, right? He was just there. He was just present. But what happened when he spoke? Everything started to get filled up. Beautiful things began to come to life. Trees and and oceans and light and, and stars and all these things just came from the word of his mouth. That's how powerful the word of God is. And when he is present inside of us speaking, he can fill up things in ways we can't even imagine. You might look at your life tonight and think, well, this is where I'm dry. I'm dealing with this. And I don't see any way on earth that what he says in here is going to do anything to fill this up. You might not see any connection. Well, guess what? You probably also don't really understand how Jesus' words in in the beginning spoke and all of a sudden waterfalls appeared. (laughs) Or this body that is so intricately designed appeared. Or animals, or all these different things. We don't understand that, but that's what the Word of God does. It's that powerful. Go back with me to John 4, verse 19. After Jesus told the women all about her marriages and this current situation of relationship, look what, he, look what she says to him. She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. You think? <laughs> you know, really. I mean, he just told her all this stuff. And, and... She's like, how do you know all of that about me? She had been empty for so long and nobody even really seemed to notice. And now here comes this man that's not even supposed to be talking to her. And he knows all of this. You know, some of us even tonight, maybe we've been empty for so long and nobody notices. And and so maybe like this woman at the well, you're starting to get a little bit squirmy because it feels like tonight as we're talking that, that Jesus is noticing you. He's noticing the empty places in your heart. Well, you know what the woman does? She starts trying to change the subject. She starts talking about worshiping on this mountain or that mountain and which is the better one. Don't change the subject. If Jesus is speaking to your heart right now, don't change the subject. Listen to what he's trying to say. In verse 21, he starts opening up his heart. It's like this fullness is inside of him, that he has been so longing to be able to fill his people up with the Spirit of God again. He says this, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. And then he says this, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. He's excited. When the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in the truth. Jesus is saying, it hasn't been like this for so long. It's been since the Garden of Eden when sin blew open the hole and the spirit had to leave man. They've been struggling to try to find a way to worship this mountain, that mountain, this way to do it. Longing and looking and filling up their lives with all these things. And Jesus is saying the time is coming and it's here now 
when, when my people are going to be able to worship me in the way that I created them to worship me, in spirit and in the truth. And the woman says back to him, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. It's like this woman is saying, I really long for that. I, I really would like to, to see that happen. Not sure when it's going to. And Jesus looks right at her and he says, I am the Messiah. Can you just sit in that for a moment and think about what that would be like? Because what Jesus was really saying to her is, I am the one who can fill you up. I am your beloved. I am your true bridegroom. I am the one who created you. I am your deliverer, your rescuer, your healer, your friend, your provider. All these things and more. So if that's how he fixes the whole of sin, then what's supposed to happen from there? Because for most of us in this room, probably, we have said yes to Jesus. We have said, yes, I want the, 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 the fixing that only you can do. There was a time when you stopped going around in circles and you said, yes, Jesus, fix the whole. And yet, yet, a lot of times we still deal with emptiness. We're going to talk about that. Let's first talk about what this living water is that fills us. The more I studied this, the more the Lord began to show me this spring that the combination of the spirit and the truth is actually what the living water is. See, Jesus had told the woman earlier in the conversation, he said, I'm going to give you water, living water, so you'll never thirst again. It will fill you up continuously. And she was like, bring it on. Where do you get it? Think about water. It's a combination, right? Hydrogen, oxygen, together. And this combination forms this amazing substance that is absolutely necessary for life. And it causes life to thrive when things are hydrated well. Now, people do drink other things, but nothing hydrates us like water. In the same way, the living water is what we need. And it is a combination. It's a combination of the spirit and a combination of the truth. Those two things working together, and I shouldn't say things because the Holy Spirit is a person, right? The, Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit combined with the truth working on the inside of us fills us up to thrive in the life that God created us for. See, when we receive salvation, the Spirit comes to life in us. He's present in us. We could use the word hovering in us. He's there, right? But the filling of this living water comes when we open up our lives and we say, yes, fill me up. In other words, we're saying, I don't want you to just be present. I want you to speak. I want to hear what you have to say. Because what happens when he speaks? Things get created. Things begin to take up the space that's empty and dry. Things that are beautiful and life-giving that only he can do. Amazing things come forth. Things that we can't imagine when the Holy Spirit speaks. And then those things become, like Jesus was talking about here, this full expression of worship in our lives to the Father. Is there anybody in this room who has experienced that? where you've opened up your life to the Spirit of God, you don't want Him to just be in you. You want Him to move and work in you. 
And he's done something in your life and filled up a place that was empty and dry and maybe all shriveled up and like ashes and not even worth anything. He's come into your life and done that. Think about right now in this moment what he's capable of doing because I know many of you in this room, like me, have testimonies of times that God has done that. And there's nothing like being filled up like that with the Spirit of God. I'm going to invite Monica to come up right now and share a testimony with us about about that very thing, about a time in her life where she was very dry. And yet she's going to tell you about how the Lord filled her up. Take it away, girl. Thank you so much, Sharon. Um, Sharon was asking me um, to to just come and and talk to you guys about the hole in my bucket. Um, And I have a I like to call it like a ratchet to righteousness kind of story. <laughs> it's kind of playful, right? Um, but those seasons and uh, decades, two decades of ratchetness uh, was not um, humorous as much as I wish it was. But I just imagine myself, you know, just pacing around this podium time and time and time again. Um, I just went through seasons and years of looking for acceptance in other things and looking for love in other things. And I just felt like um, it, nothing was satisfying. Nothing was working. Um, and without really my knowing or anything like that, um, God met me in a very real way, in a very real way. Um, in October of 2012, a day that I can never forget, and I feel like it's always yesterday, every day that I'm living, is a day when the Holy Spirit really came into my life and moved in a miraculous way. Um, And I want to take a side note and just say, I think that had a lot to do with my mother. She is a praying mother, and I know that there are some mothers in here who are praying over their children, and I just want you to know that keep it going, yes, okay, because... The prayer is real. (laughs) I felt it. (laughs) It will happen. And so what happened was um, I was just walking into my bathroom one day, and I had thoughts upon thoughts of just just lots of insecurities. And you always want to compare your nose to someone else and your hair to this other girl. And really, we just want to cut and paste who, who other people are and make this idea of who we should be. And so I walked into my restroom and turned the corner to look into the mirror, and I kid you not, I just ran smack into an invisible wall and dropped down to the ground. And just image after image was fluttering through my thoughts. It was like a flip book when you see those little characters who are like moving, you know, ever so slightly. Uh, It just was fluttering of all of these things that I was using over the years to fill or to fix this hole that was in my bucket. And I stayed on the ground forever. (laughs) I was just like, what is happening? I I had no idea what any of this was, what any of that meant. What I was feeling, I didn't know. Um, But when I could eventually feel my legs and stuff, I'm like getting up and everything in me was different. Um, I just can't even really put it to words except for the fact that Sharon did such a great job at explaining that that hole is not a need for acceptance. That hole is not to be prettier. That hole is not to be smarter. Okay? It's death. It's death. And through, I swear to you not, intercession and my mother and everyone around her, 
there was something that came alive in me that night in October of 2012. And I did not wake up the next day and walk away from my life. I did not walk away from my boyfriend at the time. I did not walk away from my friends. I did not walk away immediately from the reputation that I had created for myself for 20 years. But what I did was I started a journey. And I was going to church, and I started serving. And next thing I knew, um, I was signing up to get baptized. And so in uh, February of 2013, I made a public declaration of what happened to me many, many months ago. That happened to me in a very intimate moment that not a lot of people knew about or know about, but on February of 2013, I made the decision to truly taste and see that the Lord is good, right? And I think about (laughs) in John, John chapter 4, how Jesus is just saying, if you really knew If you really knew what this beautiful combination of the spirit, the alive person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and the truth of his living word, which sometimes I feel like is like alive and like creeping into my skin, right? Like if you knew what the combination of those two things really, really could do, the spring that will never run dry, this living water, right, then I don't think that I would have lived the first two decades of my life like that. I wouldn't have wasted any time to drink from this living water. And so I'm just so honored that uh, when when we think of this word filled and, and just through moments of Sharon and I, she just approached me humbly and just said, do you mind, you know, do you mind? Because I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm this filled to overflowing person, but I will say that I've been able to see that in a very real and tangible way and that that is truth and that this is real and that it is something that when you are alive, right, you can now appreciate when people accept you. You can appreciate when someone loves you. And I would never have been able to appreciate what my parents did for me. I would never be able to appreciate a church family as great as it could have been if I was still dead in my sin the way that I was three, four years ago. Yeah. And I just adore our Savior. I really, really love him. And I love his heart. And I love what he's doing through the lives of so many women. That's awesome. That's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I love that these women are sharing testimonies because I know that every one of us in the room, we have stories, you know. This is a, this is a gathering of us. And, and so I hope you may not get up here and share your story, but I hope on the ride home tonight you'll share a story like that. Or, or you'll go out for coffee soon and, and let these conversations happen about the, the times that, you know, you've experienced those moments where the Holy Spirit, you've, you've allowed him to be um, speaking into your life, not just present, but speaking and moving and actually filling you up. Your story, Monica, represents so much of what we hear in the next uh, eight verses in Psalm 119. So let's listen in to this section. 89 through 96. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth and it stands. They stand this day according to your ordinances, for all things are your servants. 
If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my afflictions. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked wait for me to destroy me. I shall diligently consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to your perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. All right. <laughs> so precious. I love all these people quoting. I love what it says there in verse 89. I don't know if you caught that or not. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You know, every person has to decide whether or not they're going to settle the fact that this word is really the truth, like the whole of it. We talked about that some last night. And tonight, the specific word that God is speaking to us is that nothing else will, else will fill us but him. That truth is settled in heaven. You can keep going round and round the circle trying to say, well, it's not truth for me, but you're going to come to a place sometime, probably, if not just at the very end of your life when you bow your knee to him, because that's the truth. The only one who can fill us is him. And so the question really for us is, are we a woman who has come to the place where our footsteps are so established in truth that that truth that he's the only one that can fill us is settled in us? We have to decide, am I going to settle that or am I going to just keep going around and around in circles? We have to decide. And I love it that he's so faithful to us to decide. Because did you hear the next verse in verse 90? It says, thy faithfulness continues throughout all generations. See, he really does pursue us. He pursued that woman at the well. He wasn't supposed to be in Samaria as a Jew. And he wasn't supposed to be talking to a woman. A, a man didn't talk to a woman out in the open like that in that culture. But Jesus did. Because Jesus was being faithful to his heart and to his love and his purpose to fill us. And in the same way, we need to know in this generation, he's not going to stop. He's still pursuing his girls because he knows how to fix the whole and he knows what he created you for, a fullness of life. He wants you to be able to have that relationship with him, living before him in spirit and truth, enjoying your God day after day, waking up and seeing his new mercies and not being drained out by the fires of life. He wants you to experience that. So... If he so desires that for us, like we asked a moment ago, why is it so often that we feel empty and dry? Why is it that even though we have said, yes, Jesus, save me, and we've experienced salvation, he fixed the hole in our buckets for probably many of us in this room. I imagine there are some of us that he has not. We've not opened up our lives to him to fix us yet. We'll talk about that too. But so many of us have, and yet we still struggle with these places of emptiness. And I know that because I've struggled. And I know that because I talk to many women all the time, and they share their stories, and, and we struggle. Why is that? I really believe it's because we won't let him fill us. Now, we would probably never say that. We would not say, Jesus, do not fill me. I don't want it. You know, we wouldn't do that, right? But a lot of times the way we live expresses that. And we might not even realize it. Let me, let me show you some ways I think that we put a lid on the bucket and say that's enough, no more. Sometimes we neglect the Holy Spirit. I lived my Christian life for many years with no real relationship to the Holy Spirit. Now, he was in my life. 
I became a Christian at eight years old, but he was basically hovering there. He was present, but I rarely paid him any attention. And, you know, this can happen even to people who study the word a lot. But it all is just academic learning, like amassing knowledge. The living water is a combination of the spirit and the truth. And if we're not paying the Holy Spirit any attention, then we're missing out on some of the living water. Now, on the flip side of that, sometimes we really neglect the word. And I shared last night, I think that happens a lot in the body of Christ. We get so involved in Christian activity and talking about feeling the Holy Spirit even. We'll, we'll say that a lot of times, but rarely do we give any time, real time or attention to studying God's word memorizing it and meditating on it and, and dwelling in it and walking in it as it talks about in Psalm 119. And what we don't realize is when we do that, we're really quenching the Holy Spirit. We're saying, no, no more. I, I don't, I don't, I, I want to feel good. I want, I want to feel good like when you're around and, and I'm around people that love you, but I really don't want to hear what you have to say. Because he's nudging us and urging us to read his word and we push him away. Sometimes we just outright say no to the Holy Spirit. We put the top on the bucket and we say no. Because he starts trying to speak to us about maybe a bitterness in our life. Or a place where we need to forgive somebody. Or a behavior that we need to change. Or a thought process that we need to get cleared out through the word of God. And we're like, no, don't go there. I don't want to be filled up there. I just want you to fill up all the other parts of me. We do that sometimes. And let me just add this. Sometimes I think we mix in other flavors to the water, the living water. Because we've got this idea in our minds that the living water is not enough. You know, just like we've got living or water, you know, real water in this cup, a lot of people don't like to drink water. So they add all kinds of syrup and sugar and all this other stuff, whatever you're choice drink is, you know, and they drink that. And it's hydrating, but it's not near as hydrating as just pure water. A lot of times I think that's what we try to do to the Word of God. Instead of just pure, simple, spirit, and truth. That's why I think sometimes, ladies, we're still empty after we've already received that fixing of our bucket. We have to be very careful to understand what being filled means. Because too often, we equate it with an emotional high. Now, when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, and he's really speaking truth to you, oh, you're going to have an emotional high. Because he created your emotions. And he designed those emotions for you to feel the height of life. He wants you to enjoy those emotions. Our culture is all about suppressing emotions these days. God created emotions. And used in the right way, they will accompany the filling of the Holy Spirit a lot of times. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is not emotion. It is an opening up to your life to his presence, acknowledging how much you need him and that you can't do it without him. And then being willing to listen to whatever he says to you. And letting him point out any place in your life that he says that is really dried out. And it needs some of my truth. Letting him do that. He will be faithful to fill us. You can absolutely guarantee it. 
We just have to let him. So what does that look like in day-to-day life, really? What does it look like to be filled up with the Holy Spirit? You know, we could talk about that for days and not describe it all. But I think we can get a little glimpse of it if we look at the next section of Psalm 119. So listen to it, and then we're going to talk through it quickly. I think we're going to listen to it. I tell you what, I will quote it or just share it with you. We'll just work our way through it and then um, maybe we'll watch it later. So let's just look. Verse 97 is where we're going to start. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. You know what? When you are filled, there is a great affection for the word of God in your heart, for what comes out of God's mouth. A great affection for it. Because you have tasted how good it is to hear from heaven, like Monica said. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's like so good that you just want it all the time. I can tell you, I don't go anywhere without a cup of water. Nowhere. I carry it with me all the time. Because I've learned how good it feels to just be hydrated with water. It's just the way of life for me anymore. You know what? In the same way, when you're filled, you just are opened up. All day. Because you just know at any moment you're going to need a sip of the living water to hear from the Lord. The next verse says, thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever mine. You know, we all have enemies. We all do. There are many different kinds of enemies. A person can be an enemy to us. But so can depression or laziness or an addiction or a sickness or a fear. No matter what the enemy is. When you are filled up with the living water, I really believe you can become wiser than that enemy. When I was in my late 20s, I really struggled a lot with with depression. But through the filling of the Lord, as I began to open up my life to the presence of His Spirit in my life, and I began to treasure what He said, I really did become wiser than the depression enemy I had in my life. I remember the day that he literally poured out like gallons of understanding in my heart from his word, his spirit speaking it. See, I could have just studied that verse on my own. But when I invited his spirit's presence into it, and actually that day I was just open to the Holy Spirit. I was cleaning a bathroom and I was listening to the word. And this verse from Psalm 27 uh, was being shared. And it says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And in that moment, as I heard that verse and I heard this person sharing and the Lord began to speak and his Holy Spirit began to give me understanding, God was saying to me, Sharon, I am so good. The last step before depression, before you fall into a pit of depression, is always despair. Despair is the absence of believing that I am good. So if you will walk in the truth that I am good. Psalm 119, one of the verses says, thou art good and you do us good. (laughs) You know, that's just who God is. It's all over the word of God. He's good. Doesn't always look good to us what he's doing, but that's what the truth is. It's settled in heaven. God is good. So if I will establish my steps in that, I'm never going to step on the pathway of despair. 
And if I never step on the pathway of despair, I'm never going to fall into the pit of depression. And that was the understanding that God gave me through the filling of the Holy Spirit. He filled me up with that truth. And I can tell you, I can give you testimony. As somebody who used to struggle so much in that area, over the last 20 years, I have not been in the pit of depression Again, praise God. And I can tell you, as long as my feet stay established in the truth, I will not go there. Now, there are days that the enemy comes and lies to me and tries to get me to step my foot into that place of despair. And there have been times that my foot was right on the edge. But then the Spirit will bring that truth into me. And I can either open my life up to it or I can say, no, thank you. But if I keep my life open to that truth, I know I'm never falling in. The Lord gave me that wisdom. It has made me wiser than the enemy of depression. And God can do that with any enemy that we have. It's just a blessing of being filled and keeping your life open. Verses 99 and 100 tells us that we can have more insight than all of our teachers. We can understand more than the aged. You know, when you're filled up, You literally have a personal tutor on the inside of you talking to you all day long, the Holy Spirit himself. And the insight that he has, the knowledge, the wisdom that he has will trump the insight of man every time. Just because a person is older or more more learned does not make them wiser or more understanding of life. The word of God tells us over and over and over again how good it is when young people open up their hearts and their lives to the wisdom of God. What happens in a young person's life when they open up their life to the spirit of the Lord leading them and speaking truth into their life? David experienced that, didn't he? That filling of the Lord as a young person. And so when he showed up on the battlefield and all the older, more learned men were shaking in their shoes, what did he do? He walked out on the battlefield and he said to this Goliath giant, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Today he's going to give you into my hands. And that's exactly what God did in that moment. How's that for some of that holy boldness that we talked about last night that comes from the filling of the spirit of the Lord. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when a young person is wise because they have willingly opened up their lives to God speaking to them and the Spirit moving inside of them, filling them up with truth. That's why we have our group two girls ministry that Kelly Nobles has begun and is leading through um, established footsteps. I love what they're doing tonight. They're having that overflow time. If you're a seventh through twelfth grade girl, go and be a part of that. Let your heart be encouraged in that way. Girls, open up your lives. I mean, that's why personally, I mean, probably about eight years ago, God just really burdened my heart and gave me just a a mantle to carry to seek out younger women specifically to just pour truth into them. Because it's so beautiful. We really can have this, this great understanding even when we're young. We can have insight, even as young people. And I say I'm young, I'm 50, but you know, somebody's always older than us, right? So you can always feel young if you want to, but we can have that. We can have that. When I think about living for eternity, I'm very young, right? I'm very young. It's all about perspective, right? Okay, the next thing says here, I have restrained my feet from every evil way, and I have not turned aside from your ordinances. There's that footsteps thing again, right? When I am filled with the Spirit of God, I will have the discernment to know what good and evil is. To be able to decide, that's good, 
And that's evil, not by my decision, by what the Holy Spirit and the truth says to me. I'll have that discernment. And you know what? It's not just the discernment to know. It's the discernment to be able to train my feet to stay on the path of righteousness, to have the power to do that. And when the Holy Spirit is filling us up, we get that kind of power. We actually do. Now, this is a hard word for us here right now. Because we might like to think of ourselves as filled. But if we're walking in sin, then we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. And we're really more filled up with ourselves than we are with him. But see, all of that can change. It can all change. Day after day, if I will open up my life to the spirit and the truth he wants to speak into me, and I start letting him train the way that I walk, and I may not do it right every time. I mean, Monica told you it's a journey, it's a process, but you, learn, you start letting him train your way by speaking truth into your ear, you're going to have a testimony where you're going to be able to say, I used to be like that, but I don't talk like that anymore. I used to be like that, but I'm not depressed anymore. I used to be like that, but now I'm so filled up. I'm just, I'm just glad to know Jesus. And, and you're going to have a testimony in your life because the Lord not only is going to give you discernment to know the difference between good and evil, but how to train your feet to walk. Because, see, the next verse actually said, I have not gone astray because you yourself have taught me. It's like you've got the personal tutor just telling you how to walk. And it's so good. I know in my own life, God really trained my feet to walk in righteousness through the chapter of Romans 6. That's why I wrote the Bible study called So Long Self that we have out there at the table. And even today, when my feet are not restrained, when I willfully walk into sin, so many times the Holy Spirit will take me back to that chapter and minister to me through it and train my feet some more. His word is so good. The next verse says, how sweet are your words to my taste, just sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word is so good, ladies. Even when it hurts, it's still sweet. See, there's a lot of sweet things to enjoy in this life. Blessings from God, honey from the earth. It's sweet, but God's word is sweeter. And when you're filled, you've come to the place where you realize the E-R the er, the sweeter, what is sweeter? See, even a little suffix from God's word can speak a lot to us. What's sweeter? God's word is powerful. From thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. When we are filled up with him, we begin to see what's better, what's true, what's false, what really satisfies, what really doesn't. And that understanding is so life-giving and so filling. We're going to bring all this to a close tonight. We're going to think back to John 4. See, we had gotten to verse 26 and Jesus' great announcement, I'm the Messiah, right? And then you know what? I'll tell you, verse 27 really frustrates me. <laughs> because the disciples show up and everything kind of shifts and we don't get to hear much about what really happened with the woman. I mean, I know we hear that she left her water pot and she went and told the whole town, you know, he told me everything I ever did. But I want to know what happened to her. I want to know, did she go home and say, see ya, pack her bags? You know, I want to know. And I've always wondered until this year, because I found out some things this year. Do you want to know what I found out? It's really cool, really cool. This woman actually has a name. Her name is Fotini. Now, you might be thinking, how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, let me tell you how I know. Last fall, I, I talked with a woman who's actually here tonight, Lisa Van Dyke, and, and, and she told me that. And I was like, why have I never heard that before? 
So I did some research, and I found out that in the Orthodox Church, where they actually named the saints from the early days of the faith, there is this woman, and her name is Fotini. And she's believed to be the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now, the Bible does not tell us these details. But there are some other very well-respected writings of the time of the New Testament which go on to describe Fotini's story. And I want to share just a little bit with you as we bring this to a close. See, after her encounter with Jesus, the disciples actually baptized her. And they gave her the name Fotini. I don't know what her name was before, but Fotini. And this name, it actually means enlightened one. In other words, filled up with light. Now, Fotini did share this light with her town. We read that in scripture. But we find out from these readings that she also shared with her five sisters and her two sons. And all of them got saved. They lived during the time when Nero was ruling. And he, if you've read anything about him, you know, he was excessively cruel to Christians. But see, Fotini and her family, they were filled. So the light just kept spilling out of their lives. Makes me think of the women in our Living Light team. Just keeps spilling out as they go into the darkness. At one point, we're told that Nero actually locked them all up in prison and other believers too. And he put his daughter in charge of them and her servants. But you know what Fotini did? She shared Christ with them. And all of them got saved. And that just made him really, really angry. And I won't share the details of the atrocities that he enacted against her and her family and other believers. Horrific things were done to them. And all of them died by his torture of them. But none of them renounced Jesus. These writings tell us that Fotini was actually the last one of them alive. And after torturing her, Nero put her back in prison for 20 more days. And then he had her brought before him to see if she would relent. See, he thought he had won. That he had drained her dry. But he had not. See, Nero was asking her to sacrifice to his idols. But it is written that Fotini boldly spat in his face and laughed at him saying, O most impious of the blind, you profligate and stupid man, do you think me so deluded that I would consent to renounce my Lord Christ and instead offer sacrifice to idols as blind as you? See, she would only worship Jesus. She had settled it. He was the only one who could fill her. Hearing such words, Nero gave orders to throw Fotini down into an empty, dry well. And that's where she actually died, surrendering her life to God in the year 66. Isn't that fascinating? So 1950 years ago, this woman named Fotini, who had been beaten and tortured for sharing the gospel, sat at the bottom of an empty and dry well, but she was full. Because years before, she had met Jesus at the well, where he had faithfully sought her out and offered her the living water. And she settled it. She opened up her life. She said, you are the Messiah, the only one. Fill me up. Fill me up. Most of us will never face the kinds of things that Fotini faced. But her story inspires me to see that the filling of the Lord is a powerful thing, a mighty thing. 
When I am filled up with the living water, I become an established woman. You know, a filled woman and an established woman are really the same thing. And filling us is one way that the Lord actually answers that prayer to establish our footsteps in his word. See, because then sin doesn't really have power over us. Not our own, not others. You can throw me in a dry well. That's okay. You can hang my wineskin by the fire. That's okay. I know a filling from heaven that will keep me. You know, tonight we want to think about ourselves in regard to all of this. And ask ourselves, am I filled with the living water, with the spirit and the truth? We all can open up our lives and say, fill me. Because we all have a hole in our bucket. No one can fix it. Not Liza, not Henry, not anyone, not anything. Those truths have been settled in heaven, but so is this truth settled in heaven. Jesus can. Jesus can. And we have to decide, do I want that truth to be settled in me? And we can decide that tonight. We can make a decision about that tonight. When you came in here tonight, there was a cup on your seat, a gift from us to you. And we hope that you're going to enjoy that in the days to come. But, you know, God wants to use it tonight in your life. It's a symbol for your life. So if you want to settle this word from the Lord in your heart tonight, that he really is the only one who can fill you, then I want you to do two things. I'm going to ask you, if you want to do that, stand up right now and take the top off of that cup. It's a, it's a symbol of you saying to the Lord, I'm opening up my life to you, and I want you to fill me up, Lord. I want you to fill me up. Let that action be a symbol. Take the top off the cup. Now, for some of us, as we think about that symbolic action, and the band begins to, to play, and we begin to think about these things, you know, this might be the very first time that you've ever opened up your life to Jesus. And this can be the night that you literally get the hole in your bucket fixed. The night where the Holy Spirit comes to life inside of you and seals that up never to be busted open again. And if that's you, if that describes you, you're opening up your life to Jesus for the very first time, I want to ask you to raise your cup up in the air. All right, go. If you will make your way over, I see you right here. Make your way over here. These ladies want to pray with you. If there's anybody else, it's hard. Right over here, yes. Come and make your way over here. These ladies want to pray for you, and we want to cheer you on. Yes, can we just cheer these girls on? If your cup is in the air, go on over. And let's let these ladies pray for you. Let's let them help you to come into a place where the Spirit comes to life in you, just like he did for Fotini. Just like he's done for all of us, we all had to come to that place. But you know, ladies, for the rest of us, the top is off our cup. We're opening up our life to be filled by the Spirit, pouring out truth into us. And you know, we think about these circles that we go around and around in. And I want to ask you tonight, let's think about a different kind of circle. Can we go in a different kind of circle tonight? We're going to have some, let's say, wells all over this room, circled around this room. There's going to be places where you can go and be prayed for, where you can go and they'll put some scripture in your cup. Maybe, maybe you need to be filled, maybe you need to be filled with uh, trust. You're so dry from worry and fear. Maybe you need to be filled with a love for the word of God. You've tried on your own, but you just can't do it. Maybe you need to be filled with love. 
experienced a lot of rejection. Or perhaps you need a feeling of joy or hope or faith or strength or maybe grace. You know, I just have this sense in my heart that there are some women here tonight who are really suffering under condemnation of something that you've done in your past. And you have this thought in your mind that you can never be filled. Well, I want to tell you, you still can be filled. You can know the filling of the Lord. Think about what God did for Fotini. Think about what he did for Harmony, who shared on that video earlier, what he did for Monica, what he's done for me, what he's done for so many in your life, who you know they have a past too. You can go and find grace. You can find grace. These ladies at these wells all over the room will have these scriptures to put in your cup. And we're just going to open up this time in a moment. And you can just kind of circle the room. You'll see right here on the screen where all these stations are going to be. And this is not an idea for you to kind of walk around the room and just stop at every single one of them. This is to let the Holy Spirit point out some places in your life that are really dry. Maybe where you've closed off from Him and you haven't been willing to be filled. And then later you can go home and you can get in the presence of the Holy Spirit and you can take these scriptures out of your cup and let him begin to minister them in your life. Or maybe none of these stations are where you need to be filled, but you know where you need to be filled. Just come right here and just kneel before and just hold your cup open and know that the Lord is going to fill you up. It's not magic. It's not something that's going to necessarily happen just right in that moment where it's going to all feel great and perfect. But what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm opening up my life to you speaking. I don't want you to just be there hovering. I want you to speak. And I'm going to settle this tonight, God, that you are the only one who can fill me. Settle it, ladies. Let's do that as this time begins. Feel free to walk. There's signs, and this is on the screen to help you with it. God is good. I'm going to go to one of the stations, too.